technological nightmare. I'm only getting one pattern. Merges Tuvok and Neelix together. They're gone. But when the two become one... What point did he become an individual and not a transporter accident? The result is unpredictable. Are Neelix and Tuvok inside of you? And the only option left... We've created a monster. ...is unacceptable. Are you going to stand by and do nothing while she commits murder? On the next Star Trek Voyager... Welcome to Strange New Takes, I'm your host Natch Karnik, and with me in a transporter being fused into one glorious human being are... Dynamic Phil! Max! Bill Boywad! And Adam Bowen! Well, we're here with Strange New Takes, but this is no longer a new podcast. We've been around, we've covered Discovery, we've covered Lower Decks, now we're changing things up. We've started a series on Trek's moral dilemmas, the best moral dilemma episodes we can think of. We're going to recap them for you, argue about whether our favorite characters were murderers, killers, cold-blooded or not. <laughs> and this week we're starting by jumping off the deep end with Voyager's 24th episode of the second season, Tuvix. But what should not be a dilemma is whether or not you should follow us on all of the social media things. You know, strange new takes. On Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. It's not not hard. Do it. Go for it. Yeah. And once you've done that, then you should go out to the real friends that you have in the, the physical life. Uh, you should do this from a distance, though. Like, maybe shout it from your house, like, oh, to people <laughs> across the street, that they should follow us as well. Listen to Strange New Takes. <laughs> and, and something else that you can do that'll help more new listeners find us is to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you do that, we will read your uh, review verbatim on the podcast next Ooh. week. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. And as always, just a quick warning about spoilers. We are going to be talking about the episode, so obviously we will be spoiling it. Uh, this thing is, I think, about 25 years old now, so hopefully that won't be an issue <laughs> for you. But uh, in case you haven't seen this before, uh, just fair warning. All right. Well, I mentioned before, this is the 24th episode of the second season of Voyager. It first aired on 6th May 1996. And the summary posted on Memory Alpha is, After a transporter malfunction, Tuvok and Neelix are merged into a single being. In the, uh, the search for a way to restore them to their original forms, a moral dilemma is faced as the new being does not want to be terminated. Wow, that's like terminated. Interesting. Um... <laughs> All right, strange new takes. Who's got one? Okay, I've got one. Um, you know, if you, this is like a pretty philosophical episode, and I imagine that we'll get into that a lot more. But if, if you really follow like the chain of causality back to the beginning of the episode, it becomes like totally clear that it's all Harry Kim's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it Damn always? Damn it, Harry. That's why you're in that for 27 always. years and death. <clears throat> Yeah. Of course it was Harry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm going to jump in here. I also I will point out to everybody that we have started doing stakes only related to the episodes, which I feel oh. like is completely counter to the best part of this podcast, uh, <laughs> our relatability as hosts. So I'm going to jump back in. I'm actually going to harken back to one of my older Strange New Takes mm. where I was like, 
Remember when you're when you're shoveling outside and you're not sure whether that snow dust that is rising in the air and like flying in your face has some urine dog urine uh, wiped <laughs> up in it. And I have now become afraid of any sort of discoloration in the snow that I'm shoveling. Uh, it is it's becoming... It's a Minnesota deep cut, friends. It's a real <laughs> Minnesota is, deep cut. The anxiety is real. And I, I have now, like, I'm considering buying a snorkel for, or an oxygen tank for when I shovel. What? So if you see a guy in Minnesota with that, that's me. All right, well, to the episode. Uh, I had forgotten that Tuvok liked orchids and botany stuff and i i also liked how the fact that janeway is a science officer uh earlier in her career mm. was relevant to this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so this this episode kind of made me think that star trek in general kind of has like a botany thing okay. you know like this never really occurred to me mm. before but you know we've got several characters throughout the different series who are you know, working with flowers, working with plants. We've got an arboretum on the Enterprise. And here we have the flower really kind of stepping into the spotlight and screwing everything up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to talk about dog urine on snow? That's not... <laughs> you know? Yeah, what's your take? <laughs> <laughs> Pro or con? No, afraid. <laughs> uh, um, so my strange new take, one that is somewhat related to the episode and one that actually is very related to the episode, is if I hear the word hybrid ever again, and I'm going to because I'm in hybrid teaching right now, but the word hi- like makes me shudder. So when it came up in the episode, I was like, ugh, God, I like, wrote a note about it. Um, and then my other one <laughs> is that like, I feel like every time in Star Trek, whenever there is a serious something that happens, the, the way that the writers let us know, like, oh, this is serious, is they're like, here's a Shakespeare quote. It tells you how serious everything is. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But it's like, oh, you know you know how you know this is serious? He's quoting Shakespeare right now. He's being Shylock. And that's how we know that this matters to everyone. Uh, well, uh, so now I, I, I feel like I do have to bring fight the good fight. I need to have a, a, a real world take to, to ground us, make you feel like we're relatable people. Um, and the there's nothing more relatable than uh, me talking about my chickens because everyone has chickens. Oh, you know? yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's not a not a weird thing at all for for someone to just talk about their chickens constantly. Uh, and um, actually, I don't have anything to say about my chickens. They're they're good girls. <laughs> uh, I gave them some squash. Gotta love squash. They were fans. I saw uh, a video of them eating some uh, seeds. That was very nice. Yeah, wow. yeah. That's wow. that's. The, living their best life. It's the relatable just chicken content time. that we came here for. Yeah, that's, that's why you, you listen to <laughs> Strange New Takes. Yeah. So, Adam, just say, just say like the most basic thing about chickens. I don't know any, like, do they lay eggs? Oh, okay. uh, my, my chickens uh, have been laying eggs uh, almost every single day since we got them. Like, wow. they've slowed down now to like six times a week. But that's a crazy amount of eggs, and we have to change all of our food schedules because of that. Damn. So, um, <laughs> onto the episode. I think I'm going to connect my take to Bill's take and to sort of like bookend us here. And I'm going to point out that this is not even Harry Kim. Harry Kim died a couple episodes ago <laughs> in Deadlock. And so we have this imposter Harry Kim who can't be bothered to test these transporter mm-hmm. and like you know uh we tweaked this thing we had some problems it's probably fine let's just go bring two people and probably kill them uh hey. up to the up to voyager so yeah 
Energize. That's how little they care about Harry Kim is he got <laughs> killed and replaced with an imposter and everybody's just like, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Still gonna be as an long as he doesn't buddy. get promoted. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now, now jumping into this episode, what happened? Because there are other podcasts sometimes that do recap series uh, and they don't talk about the actual episodes so people who haven't bothered to watch, which why wouldn't you have? listener we tweeted about it once so um <laughs> we also posted on instagram right and if you followed so, us on instagram you would have seen that post just saying just on. exactly but but bill if, if the listener has not watched this episode is there anything from the episode that is not in the episode summary that they should know about what happens in this episode oh that's well then i have to read the episode summary <laughs> be like spaced <laughs> out while you were well, just just, just bill did you watch <laughs> <laughs> i watched the episode yeah yeah <laughs> Um, do you want to do the summary first? No, no, I read the summary. I'm asking you for a recap of the episode. Like, why why don't you tell the listener what happens so that they don't have to go watch it if they don't want to? I thought, man, I'm losing it. Um, so. (laughs) So, okay. Uh, So, okay. So, the transporter accident, Tuvok and Ulix get combined into Tuvix, who is actually cool. And people like him, but then he turns out to be creepy. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, at the beginning, they want to separate him, but then it takes a little while to figure it out. So, you know, he becomes part of the crew and people like him. And then they all of a sudden figure out how to separate him. But he doesn't want to die. He doesn't actually want to go through with it because he has a new life and he's actually cool instead of being annoying like Neelix and really stiff and boring like Tuvok. So... Um, Janeway decides that he needs to die, and <laughs> this is my unbiased review. Yeah, yeah Janeway, is, the stone cold murderer, decides <laughs> that Tuvix, Tuvix's life is not worth anything, and forces him to go through with the procedure. <clears throat> and then Tuvok and Neelix return, and yeah. uh, the end. Uh, and I want to talk about that ending in a little bit, but yeah. yeah. All right, so since I was the one who pushed this episode onto us and pushed us to do it first, I'm going to tell you why. Obviously, it's a very tough decision whether to get back your two friends that you've lost while also having to make the choice of the the, the, the trade-off is that you lose this new person that you've created. There's many, many elements to this. Is this... Uh, a new being is this a transporter accident is this a friend is this the thing that is preventing us from getting our friends back uh how does the former pre-combination person's partners feel about this new being uh technically tuvix has both a girlfriend and a wife and kids so what uh, what happens like how do you how do you think about that problem? And I mean, over here, it's solved a little bit because Voyager isn't in touch with Earth. But what if they were? Uh, or Vulcan, I should say, where Tuvok's family is. So there's just a lot of really interesting, really hard to answer questions. I think you can boil it down to kind of the trolley problem um, mm-hmm. or the Spock going into the reactor problem or the Kirk going into the <laughs> reactor problem in the remake <laughs> problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was a fun one to start with. Let's put it that way. So... Yeah, why don't we tackle the main moral dilemma first. Tuvix, alive or dead, murdered or separated, where do y'all fall? 
I mean, for for me, I was uh, my memory was a bit wrong about this episode because I, I I was I was thinking back when we initially chose this. I was thinking that uh, Jane we had sort of a more pragmatic choice and mm. was because she's had several times throughout the series of. Uh, like Janeway has to make the hard choice because she has all these people that depend on her. She needs to get people back home. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you, you have to just make a hard call and it's maybe it's not the right one, uh, but it's, you can sort of see where she's coming from. As I watched the episode though, it, it does kind of seem like Tuvix is just better than either of the people <laughs> that, that he, he came from. And like, he's it like, it's, it's not like, uh, Oh, it's that we have a guy who can cook and a guy who can be the chief security officer. No, he's a better chief security officer. He solves problems way better than than Tuvok could because like he has harebrained ideas and then he also can logic his way through them. Uh and also his food is actually good. I I <laughs> I, I I I feel like Neelix has has kind of gone throughout the the series. Sometimes they seem to be appreciative of the things that he does in the kitchen, but I feel like he makes a lot of weird stuff that people don't like to eat. And uh, it, it's refreshing seeing someone uh, who can apply some Vulcan logic to that cooking to make it actually good. And um, so I, 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 I kind of ended up not exactly knowing where to mm -hmm. land on this because it's, there, there's not necessarily that practical choice. Like, we do have a new individual. We, I can't argue that the health of the of the crew is going to be better off because like we separate him back out into like the more useful two different people because it, it's, th it's the head chef who does weird things <laughs> and is annoying. And it's the chief security officer who's like, yeah, super competent, like one of the best officers in Starfleet, but like he could be better even though he's a little bit more creepy in the new form. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I, I can't, land land on this quite yet i i want us to 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 talk about mm -hmm. it a bit more before i give my just like he's each kill him mm -hmm. <laughs> well i think you know before I, I jump in on kind of the the moral dilemma here um i did think it was kind of funny how you know basically here we have a character who is combining um logic and intuition and i feel like when you bring those two things together basically what you're doing is you're creating a human right right and yeah. so it's just like oh okay i, I see what happened here <laughs> we like him because he's basically human and he's able to bring these different qualities together um but uh but adam i i'm i'm with you i you know, I guess it wasn't clear to me that um, Neelix and Tuvok were dead, right? There was mm -hmm. sort of this argument that they had been, like, killed in this transporter accident. And actually, no, they were just kind of transformed into something different. And as you said, in some ways, better, honestly, mm -hmm. than the than the original versions. Mm -hmm. So I think I... So my, my issue is that um, we are kind of just told that Tuvix is better, but like we don't actually, first of all, see that Tuvix is actually better because I think his personality isn't actually that great either. And so it's really, it's not, I think it, if, it's, if we're boiling it down to like who works the best, you know, I think that's kind of a weird way of valuing life and existence. And then the issue here is that Tuvix, he doesn't get to consent because he revokes his consent and then he's forced to go through with it anyway. So I agree that with Bill that there's a, that's a, that's a real violent act and it's really messed up. But at the same time, like 
um, Tuvok and Neelix never get to consent at all. They don't get to weigh in, mm-hmm. and they don't get to tell us whether or not they're alive. Like, Tuvok's just like, they're just alive in me, and it's really convenient, and it's not a big deal for me, so I don't see why it's a big deal to you. Like, so there's this, there's this element where they don't get to speak for themselves either, and Janeway does bring that up where she says, like, I have to be their voices, which is a valid argument, too, you know? So I think it's, it's like, what the value of an existence is. And is the existence, if you're worse at your job than Tuvix, do you deserve to die so that Tuvix can live? Right? Like, if Tuvix can cook yeah. better than you, because Max is a better cook than I am, so, like, should I die? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not, that, that's not... Oh, what the, only if we combine both of you. That's right. That, that's right. We need <laughs> a transport function. Yeah. with a really nice beard. <laughs> like, it's, there's that, that idea that it's that existence is beyond what you can do for the crew um, that I think is that I think is important. And I think what I really don't like about Tuvix, and this doesn't take away from the moral dilemma because I think it's a really rich one, is that he doesn't seem to give a shit about other people's concerns about the loved ones that they've lost. Like, he just, like, they're it. I'm chill with it. Why can't you be chill with it? Which does downplay the level of seriousness of the situation in general. So I think ultimately where I come down on it is I think Janeway was correct in that she should get they should get Tuvok and Neelix back and let them li- and let them live, and the unfortunate reality is that Tuvix would then have to die. Now should I should she have muscled her way into it and just like basically murder Tuvix? Probably not, but it was coming up on thir- forty three minutes into the episode, so it had to happen eventually. <laughs> Rick like, Berman says we have to murder him, so so like, since we, script, <laughs> we, we gotta murder him, so we gotta get on the murder. But that, so I, I think that ultimately that was the right judgment on this moral dilemma but whether or not her actions in that moment were you know actually valid that's a different story i think for me yeah i have a a lot of different takes on this or i think there are a lot of different ways that you could look at it and that's the fun thing about this episode is that reasonable people could disagree it's kind of like a what would you do like Mm -hmm. type of thing um but yeah dina i agree with your point that it's kind of irrelevant how how good he was at his Mm -hmm. job or whether he was cool or an asshole or whatever it you know there's a very kind of fundamental moral and philosophical question which is like is it okay to kill someone Mm -hmm. and you know there's in in the star trek universe there's um you know the the benefit or or the what is it the from uh wrath of khan like the good of the many many outweighs Mm -hmm. the needs of the one or whatever um so you can look at it like mathematically like oh i'll save two lives by killing this one person mm-hmm. um you know what and and I'm, I'm i'm making it absurd but to illustrate a point like what if you had to kill um 999 people to save a thousand people would that be okay but then if you think about it, I, and yeah yeah and then on the other extreme it would be like okay if you could go back in time and kill hitler like would you and everybody it's of course right <laughs> um so it's um, but, but I think, I don't know, f- fundamentally, I think that that is the question, right? Is it okay to kill someone even if the, the means are, are noble or otherwise justified? Yeah. And I think, I think that if it was Picard, he wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Picard would say no. Mm. Yeah. I think it's probably fair. What I will say is that like the, the, the issue is a little bit beyond just two for one. It's two for one deal. It's it's Star Trek. It's a little bit beyond that because again, I think one of the issues with this episode, and look, I'll get into it when we get more into the writing, is that like it. The thing about Voyager is that it kind of always seems like the only people who are affected by what happens to the people on the ship is just are just the people on the ship. When like we know that 
for example, Tuvok has a wife and children at, on Vulcan, right? And we know that obviously Kess is a big part of this because she's like a stand-in for all the emotional things that happen to a person. So like, it, there, it, what happens to this one person or these two people affects way more than just that one person or those two people, right? It goes it goes beyond that too. And so I think there's that's an element to it. So it's not like, you know, I got this one other guy for this one guy that I killed situation. It's, it goes beyond there's a larger effect, a larger impact. But I hear I, you. I agree. Yeah, but... I- but, but I, I would say to that that like Tuvix could have also gone on to have a wife or like you know people that cared about him. It was going to be Cass because he was going to make it be Cass. That's <laughs> right. weird, yeah. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, but he, and he didn't at that point. I think the, so. There's another element I think to this, which is in some ways it's kind of convenient that Tuvix is just a new person. Like, what mm-hmm. if it's Tuvok and Neelix on the planet, and Janeway's got to send somebody down that she knows will die. Right saving them and right. we've i feel like we've seen star trek do stuff like that every now and then mm-hmm. like like the, troy for a few episodes ago we referenced that troy had the bridge officer test where you basically <laughs> have to decide whether you're going to send somebody to their imminent death mm-hmm. um and i think there's another but going even further than that i think there's the question of whether you consider tuvix to be an individual or a transporter accident and that's mm-hmm. something that janeway put in there because if it's if it's if, if Tuvix is a transporter accident who is kind of this, like, non-individual amalgam of two people, then separating Tuvix makes sense because, you mm-hmm. you know, you're able to kind of uh, de... I was going to say humanize, but de-being guys uh, the, the person... Uh, but but if it, if Tuvix is an individual, you get into much more, I think, sticky moral territory mm-hmm. in terms of consent. And uh, again, Diana, I think your point about Tuvok and Neelix's consent is an interesting one. Um, but at the end of the day, they weren't, I mean, they weren't even there. So, like, they're gone. But they're, uh, but again, they're not gone, too, right? So it's not like, right. like, Tuvix is like, they're in me, but they're gone, but I'm here. Like, it's it's not a, they're gone forever. Yeah. You know, so they're, they, well, it, 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 it's more, yeah. It's, they're not there to be able to consent. But then the only reason that they're not there to be able to consent is because he won't give his consent for them to be there. Right? Like. Yeah. So I, 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 that I, th- I have a couple of thoughts. Um, so part of this, as I start, so I think some of this we have to accept kind of uh, the in-universe exp- or mm-hmm. beliefs or explanation of like how transporting works uh, in, st- in Star Trek. Because my personal feelings, I'm, I'm with, I think Bill's with me here. Uh, you die when you go into that transporter and a new, <laughs> a, a new, a new meat bag so, is created on the other side. Yeah, Tuvok and Ulix are already dead. But, but so the thing is, if I do accept that transport transporting, like is a thing that doesn't kill the person that is, and then they're recreated or whatnot. The, the, I think the argument kind of is that, uh, the, there there are no souls or anything like that except for like there's maybe mind energy with that only Vulcans can have or something I don't know <laughs> there's a Katra thing going on but uh, for the most part like the the meat of your body is you and it, when I when I sort of reconstitute you that then you're you're there so like the uh, in the in the creation of Tuvix I kind of feel like from the the ideas of like just creating the meat creature is like that is their whole being i feel like tuvox and neelix are not or tuvok and neelix are not dead mm-hmm. like they they are both there in tuvix right the you but the only person who's ever killed in this episode is tuvix 
because he like his he's been separated into into two two beings and like they they might remember and and I think maybe this is what um Notch is wanting to get to when we he sort of hinted at that we're going to talk about the ending but I there's there's something unsatisfying about uh how th- how they approach because we we kind of it it just kind of mm-hmm. goes back to like oh see you next week everybody <laughs> uh, yeah. instead of dealing with uh the emotions that that Tuvix was definitely feeling at that last moment mm-hmm. and I I think that it's uh, it's a disservice at least to the sort of the moral argument and the the what this episode is trying to explore that neither of them has a problem with what just happened with what, what just happened right like they should both remember Tuvok is going to be more reserved of course but uh I think at the very least Neelix should have expressed something uh about what just happened because he's also like however annoying Neelix is Neelix I think is a just a fundamentally like genuine and, and good person after the first like two episodes where he's like just a crazy person who wants to steal everything. Yeah. But, uh, and like take advantage of everybody. But like he, he like wants to do right by people mm-hmm. and he would absolutely go send himself into oblivion if it meant that he, that he could take care of his friends. Right. And, um, I, I feel like Neelix would have had a problem with this, but yeah. So to, to tie it back to a specific plot point, um, something that, so I, I disagreed with <clears throat> Janeway a lot in this episode, but uh, another specific instance is kind of towards the end where she's uh, discussing the notion of separating Tuvix with Tuvix in her quarters or mm-hmm. the ready room or something. And she's, she, <clears throat> you know, she knows that he doesn't want to do it. And and the premise or where she's coming from is she's kind of like you scumbag, like Tuvix <laughs> or yeah. or uh, uh, Tuvok or Neelix both would have willingly like given their lives to sit. And I was like, how totally like inappropriate and arrogant! Like you won't kill yourself. You're a shitty person. Like what? Well, <laughs> how I mean, can you say that to somebody? That's terrible. The the interesting thing about that line specifically was also that. You could apply it the other way, right? If if Tuvok right. and Neelix would give up their life for another person, so then they'd be okay with staying fused. Um, yeah. I think so. I actually come down on the side of Janeway did the right thing what? here. What you not? <laughs> and and so I I do that, and I do that because I think that chronologically speaking. If the solution had been available five minutes after it happened, right. there would have been no question. It right. would there would have no, not been sure. any dialogue. Right. It would have just been done. And I don't think that the the amount of time that you go ahead in this this specific circumstance with Voyager, I think it would be different if like Tuvix was alive for several years, made a bunch of relationships, like and had some sort of role to play. But if it's been like a couple of months and it's just been on this one ship, I think as the captain, you have to make a judgment call. There is no one size fits all solution here. Mm -hmm. And Janeway, as the captain, serving her crew and their feelings and what had occurred in this specific situation, decided that the the answer was to get her security officer and Neelix back. And I think... I come down on the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. And, and mm-hmm. I know that that's something that, again, when you go from 999 to 1,000, you can kind of... There, there is no objective use for that, right? Like, so it has to be a subjective use. And I think in this case, it's justified. So 
I come down on the Janeway, made a really tough choice and sent a crewman to their deaths, which captains have to do mm-hmm. sometimes for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I think just one other wrinkle I'll throw in here is, um, you know, I think the way that we talk about this decision also mm-hmm. connects to sort of how um, how connected we feel to the individual characters, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, at this point, we're kind of well into the, the run of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we presumably feel connected to Tuvok and to Neelix, uh, and we want those characters back, you know, as, as viewers. On the other hand, you know, I honestly have not watched Voyager in several years, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, at least. Um, and so for me, kind of just jumping into this, I was like, well, all right, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember Tuvok, I remember Neelix, but I don't really feel mm-hmm. connected to these characters. Yes. Uh, and so I think that sort of buy-in for me, uh, in terms of bringing them back, did not feel quite as strong as, as maybe the writers mm-hmm. intended. Yeah. I think that's probably down to the mm-hmm. writing, which we will, we will get into in a little bit, but I, I, I agree. I agree. I think it's there's a there's an emotional connection part of this too. But I think I mean I think realistically the the question is too like does Janeway actually think that she made the right decision at the end of the episode, right? Like which given a chance to redo the whole situation, would she? And that is fair. What I'm trying to remember like what the final scene in the episode is because I'm thinking you know often like next generation I think mm-hmm. almost all of the moral dilemma episodes the way those episodes end <laughs> is you have Picard in the ready room staring out the window contemplating the decision right. he just made um, and so you you kind of understand that this was difficult right. you know that he had yeah. to make some kind of hard choice and and it, it was nuanced you know it wasn't clear what the right decision maybe was she, the last the last shot of this episode is her like stumbling into the hallway after separating two vids. Mm, yes. And then we get a, like a pan up on her face of being like, oh shit. Like that kind of like, I don't know if I'm, I think it's sort of similar okay, in that way. We did get that. Yeah. I think for for me, the, the thing that uh, sort of cut that off at the knees was the uh, just happy resolution of like, oh, yeah. oh uh, we killed him and these people and don't remember being and being fun. dead yeah. or like having being scared of dying and they're just like hey glad to see you back right. what's up girlfriend what? yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I do I do want to talk about the ending in a little bit more detail mm-hmm. when we talk about the writing here but uh, any 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 other thoughts on the moral dilemma any anything that y'all uh, would like to cover uh, in terms of the dis- big decision yeah it, it, maybe it's self-evident but um, Max, your point about like knowing the characters, right? I mean, that applies in universe too, mm-hmm. right? So if it had just been two random people right, that right. they had never met before, right? That you know, would the outcome have been different? Right. I think probably. <clears throat> totally. Yeah. And yeah what, and, what if Tuvix was, and... was was Christopher Pike from Discovery, like <laughs> super charming, like yeah. <laughs> not creepy at all? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in the ship is in love with him, and they're like, "No, Janeway, don't do <laughs> it!" Sexy like, wait, this guy's awesome, and he's super hot. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't separate him. That's so great hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that in terms of like to, to like make a bridge between this conversation and the writing conversation, I think the dilemma itself is a very good and rich dilemma for Star Trek in terms of the way that this dilemma is presented to us it's not a good and rich dilemma you know what I mean the way that they the show is crafted around this dilemma I think kind of downplays how important this this decision is um, so that's sort of what I'm we'll get into when we get into the writing but like yeah. the, the, the dilemma well, itself great the way yeah, that it's written I, not so great yeah and, and like we have lots of only one side of right. of the argument being presented like we we don't have any counter argument to Kess being sad 
right. uh, that Neelix isn't there. Like we should we right. should have had an opportunity to develop more of uh, of Tuvix or to have even a friend of one of them be like, no, right. Like, yeah. Or, yeah, or like some guy who's like, I fucking hated that Neelix fucker. He's gone. <laughs> this dude is like way better. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. Like, if Gus well, doesn't get with you, you to win all this. <laughs> yeah. So this this is actually the best argument for separating Tuvix is to save Tuvok from having to spend the rest of his life <laughs> with the Neelix. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. No uh, well, no okay. Thanks. Let's let's take a break here. We're we're right around the halfway point, so we'll take a break. We'll come back talk about the episode more in terms of writing and other elements of the the story. Don't you think that I care about Tuvok and Neelix? Of course I do. Without them, I wouldn't exist. In a way, I think of them as my parents. I feel like I know them intimately. Then you know Tuvok was a man who would gladly give his life to save another. And I believe the same was true of Neelix. You're right, Captain. That is the Starfleet way. And I know there'll be some people who will call me a coward because I didn't sacrifice myself willingly. Believe me, I've thought of that. But I have the will to live of two men. Look at me, Captain. When I'm happy, I laugh. When I'm sad, I cry. When I stub my toe, I yell out in pain. I'm flesh and blood. And I have the right to live. Welcome back to Strange and New Takes. During the break, we were all separated into our constituent parts and we were all horrified, so they quickly fused us back together into the two people that each of us used to be, uh, <laughs> into one glorious being. But uh, anyway, let's let's continue talking about the story and the writing now of this episode. I think I, it kind of feels a little bit backwards, but let's jump into the ending first, since we were, we were <laughs> discussing that and we were trying to get onto it in many times. I think, Adam, you were discussing the ending as being, showing the potential for there being some mixed feelings for Neelix and Tuvox that, that the end, having a longer ending might actually have given us a, a feeling that this, this was the wrong outcome. I actually disagree. I think maybe if we had seen more of Neelix and Tuvok, like happily getting along with their friends, Kess, like being really happy that Neelix was back, you know, um, or even if Tuvok's wife and children were involved mm -hmm. and they were running up to their dad being like, oh my God, you're back. Um, I think that would have ended the episode on a very different note, which again, I mean, it, it, it kind of goes back to Max's point, which is that, you know, it's how you portray these characters and what we actually see that kind of influences our take on it. Um, so maybe we need to run away from that. But I did I did think that the ending was very, very rushed. Oh, yeah. And we don't get to deal with it in the next episode, obviously. Right. I will say that I think yeah. that, that regardless of how you feel about, like, what what the outcome would have been of us seeing more of Tuvok and Neelix. Tuvok and Neelix. Oh, my God. This episode. Tuvok and Neelix's yeah. um, uh, resurrection, essentially. Um, I think that the the ending was rushed. It was unsatisfying, definitely. And then also it was kind of like sort of the natural 
um, culmination of the ways that the the show, this episode had failed Tuvok and Neelix and their friends in the way, like, building out their relationships with other people. So it was like, yeah, it makes sense, because only Kess was like, I'm sad. And so then Kess was there, and she was like, I'm happy now. And that was, like, the end of that particular arc. And because there was no real building of, like, relationships, and there was no mm-hmm. real building of, like, I really care about these people, they're, act- like, they're we're, we're real friends, like then there was no real reason for there to be any kind of, like, re- um, response at the end of them, like, really, the the, the emotional um, connections really being re- addressed again or being returned to. So it's, like, kind of, like, every single part of this episode led up to this really unsatisfying ending, even though it was this rich, like, moral dilemma that everything else was underwritten to the extent that this was sort of, like, <clears throat> nope, we don't need any more emotional stuff because everything's been everything's been fixed the end you know so i agree i just don't think it's i don't think it stands out as being particularly unsatisfying in spite of all the other cool stuff that the episode does i think it's like unsatisfying because the episode doesn't do a lot of cool stuff with the relationships that two fucking aliens already have yeah 100 percent agree Mm mm-hmm I think yeah, I, I really wanted to know what the experiences of Tuvok and Neelix were after they were separated. Mm-hmm. Like apparently yeah. they just don't remember anything, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. Don't, that's kind of the impression that I got. And even if they don't like that, how weird and traumatic would that be? Like, I don't remember anything from the past two weeks. Oh yeah. You were like fused into another being <laughs> right. with Neelix. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, like, and then ugh. they killed him to bring you back. <laughs> I'd be into it. <laughs> I think so, similarly, you know, I was looking for more of that when they mm-hmm. were fused, yeah. you know, like how were these two personalities interacting? Right. Um, you know, honestly, it's I felt like it was portrayed um, pretty like seamlessly, like they were just sort of a, a better version of of their two individual mm-hmm. selves. But like, you know, really, I, I think that if my personality and and sort of lived experience suddenly got merged with someone else um there'd be a lot of conflict right Right. there'd be a lot of sort of dissonance to work Mm -hmm. out and i i feel like i didn't get a clear sense of of enough of that piece totally yeah and i I think like some of that is is made more difficult because like tuvok we haven't we've we've shown him having like a close relationship with the captain in terms of like deep respect of each other Mm -hmm. but uh it's, I, I almost wonder if this would have been more effective if we had someone who had deeper relationships. Like, uh, later on in the series, if it had been uh, Tom Paris mm-hmm. and Neelix, because, like, they, they both have relationships with other people, right. and, like, there might have been awkward situations where they're, like, okay, well, who who am I in a relationship with now? Right. Like, do, do, I, do I have to leave my, my former partners behind because yeah. I'm a new person? Or, like, how do they all feel about it? We only got one side of this. Right. <clears throat> and then, uh, like some pool time, right? But, yeah, I think that's the thing is that like we're we're basically told and we're never shown that these people are important to members on the Voyager, right? Mm. In a, in a, in another show, <laughs> maybe a non Star Trek show, but like in another show where this same storyline happened, the before the the shots of them being down on the planet searching for orchids, we would have a scene with Neelix and Kess. And then a scene between maybe Tuvok mm-hmm. and Janeway mm-hmm. or something where mm-hmm. both we're mm-hmm. like reestablishing that these characters are important to people and have real relationships. And then they would go down to the planet. Then they would get fused. And we'd have a feeling of what they what had been lost because we'd have reestablished those relationships. Kind of what Max was talking about before, like coming in, having not seen any Voyager since I think not not you, Max, and I watched some of that maybe a couple of years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they're like it, they're, it sort of re-cements these relationships. And even within 
Voyager, that would have been a good idea just to have like, we're going to reestablish these, these characters. Um, and then using that as a jumping off point, I think what I, what Max is saying is really valid because there doesn't seem to be any, like Tuvix is just like, I'm chill. Everything's chill. I'm just chill. I love her. I love you. Don't see why I can't have you. I can love her too, but like not a big deal. It's like, I'm not bothered by any of this. Why are you bothered by any of this? We're just like, what? I, none of this seems serious. Yeah. You know, like Kess seems to be the only person who takes it seriously for most of the episode. And then hearing from the doctor being like, this is probably, this could be permanent. Everyone's like, oh, oh, this is serious. Okay. We're going to be upset about it now. And then hearing later that like, oh, Tuvix is just a really great guy. He's like, there's like a line that Cass is just, he's a wonderful person. And like, is he? How do we know that? How? So we're being told a lot of these things, but we're not actually being shown any of these things. So that when it comes to the ultimate decision, it's more of like, for me, it's more of like sits in the moral category of like, oh, this is a difficult moral decision and not this is a difficult emotional decision because I don't give a shit about this person because we've never really learned anything about this person that makes him a full person and not a fucking creep who's like, Kes, I love you. I've known you for five minutes. Let's get married. You lost your boyfriend? Don't care. Like, let me quote Shakespeare to you so you can feel bad about killing me now. Like, I, it's much more of an immoral judgment for me than it is an, emo an emotional judgment. I, I think that plays into the moral dilemma, though, which is that should you only care about people that you know and, and like, like, or should you should you have, like, an evaluative criteria for others who maybe you haven't made a connection I with? I think that's... I think that's a fair point. What I will say is that that's that's a point that we're making outside of the boundaries of this episode, right? Because the yeah. this, this episode wants us to like Tuvix. This episode is like, Tuvix is a great guy. He's playing pool with Paris. We're telling you that he's cool, so he's cool. And you just yeah. need to think that he's cool. So the, the episode doesn't do the job of, you know what, even if you don't like him that much, he's still a person. The episode is like, sure. he's, a good, he's a great guy. You don't want to kill this great guy, do you? So we're making this point outside of the, what the episode is trying to get us to feel. Doesn't I, mean it's a bad I, I, point. It's just that's not what the episode's trying to do. Bill, go ahead. I, I think they make it implicitly. I mean, how could you not have thoughts like that after watching the episode? And I think I think it it's like an important point, right? I mean, regardless of whether Tuvix or Neelix or Tuvok are like cool guys or creepy or like annoying or mm -hmm. stiff and stuck up or whatever, or how many loved ones they have or how popular they are. Is it okay to like kill one of them? Um, and I, I think that I, I think that's like a, a really important point. Right. I mean, even, even if he was like a terrible person right, I, I don't... or if like, or if like Neelix was the most popular person ever, yeah, you know, or had a huge family that loved him a lot. Right. No, I don't, I don't debate that. Yeah. What I'm saying is that like, I think that point is a very important point, but what I'm saying is the episode itself, the writing of this episode is like Tuvix is a great person and he's super cool and better than other people. Like the line, um, the weird, like some the, the whole is never greater than the sum of its parts situation. That's like as a weird yeah. Jacotay. Indian proverb situation. So the, the whole exchange between him and, and um, Jakote and uh, Janeway is, uh, we have a saying that the whole is never greater than the sum of its parts. And then Janeway goes, I think Tuvix might be disproving that notion. Later on, right. we have Tuvix has really shown himself to be an excellent member of the crew. And he's fitting in and making lots of friends. Literally a line from this episode. And then yeah, we have yeah. a line where where <laughs> Kess like, goes, to, goes to Janeway and word for word, she goes, he's a good person. He's a wonderful person. Like, we are supposed to, in some way, feel this way about Tuvix. Now, regardless of what 
this episode is trying to make us feel, you're absolutely right that the point is not that, that the whole argument is not like he's a cool person, therefore he shouldn't die. Like even if you don't mm. like him, his he's still a person and he's still an entity who has an ability to choose. Like that's really important. But that's not what the episode is going with this. The episode is going like, this is a cool dude. You don't want to kill this cool dude, do you? Like everybody likes this cool dude. Stop trying to kill this cool dude. So like, yeah, the moral the moral work that we're doing is really valuable work, but the episode is not doing that valuable moral work with us. So. I mean, the, the, I see your point, which is that they basically had the little montage of him being an effective crew member right. where they say, two months have passed. And, yes. and I think for me, I I feel like there's a certain element of like, I think this is, this is one of the core questions in any sort of Star Trek episode is how much you're willing to set aside your disbelief to like just accept what Star Trek is telling you is true and possible, mm-hmm. and and I feel like so many of us have different lines for this, right? Like it's it's, and so I completely see that the point you're making is that they didn't do enough work. I think yeah. on my end, I was just like, "There's a montage with music. I am convinced." <laughs> Say no more. Character <laughs> um, gone shopping. She's pretty now. The whole she, montage. Yeah, I get she it. has taken off her glasses and her hair is down. She's obviously she's, super hot she's to the a whole 10 out of 10. universe. Let me tell you. In, in this movie, um, but but to you know, getting getting a little bit more serious. Back to your point about Tuvok and Neelix. I do think that that would be a little bit different if we were watching this episode within the continuum of an entire season. And the <laughs> other thing is, I do think the writers throw in like that thing with Janeway and the the letters that Tuvok has sent and how they have, like, she can hear his voice. Right. And so I think there is a certain sense of, like, at least what those two characters have contributed. Um, and that, and, and I, I also, I mean, getting getting away from this particular question just a little bit, I do like some of the elements that were thrown into this. Uh, like, for example, the part where the doctor is, at the end, refusing to do the... Mm-hmm. The procedure, I feel like that would have been such an easy thing for them to gloss over. They don't even go to sickbay, they go to the transporter room and the doctor, you don't even know. And Janeway doesn't yeah. turn him off either. She lets him watch and she mm-hmm. isn't like, whereas I feel like in season one, it would have been like, computer, disable emergency medical hologram. Like, it, mm-hmm. there's there's this like, I feel like the writing does have a certain degree of complexity that it adds to it. Mm-hmm. Although it does also have 90s Trek moments like, I'm not going anywhere. Doctor to Mr. Tuvix. Right, come on. Come on. It's so stupid. It's I so enjoyed stupid. that. He's like, he's like, Cass, I'm not going anywhere. Hey, I, I've, I'm, can, can, I'm making kill you, you go away. Let's just kill you real quick. <laughs> I, um, so so I, I, I thought the writing wasn't like the greatest, but I, I wasn't like, I, I, didn't think, I didn't dislike it either. I don't know. I didn't have ill feelings. I just think, uh, I think it just it needs to be based, based more on the re- relationships between the characters in order for it to work on the level that they think they were hoping for it to work. And because yeah. they didn't re-cement the relationship between the characters and they never really created real relationships between Tuvix and the other characters. Like, yeah. you're just like, I'm piggybacking. Let me just piggyback off what Neelix did. I love you. Let's get married. Like, ah, that's weird. That's a weird thing for you to do. And so that tended to make it feel a lot less in any way authentic and feel a lot more like everything was kind of calculated. Um, and so then at the end of the episode, you know, this it is a big momentous decision, but at the same time, I don't feel anything really for, for Tuvix because he never really got to be his own real person mm-hmm. in the episode. And so like he is a life and he is an existence and he is a person, 
but in terms of like, man, what a difficult emotional decision. I don't know. Let's let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into the two Vicks characterization, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of curious what y'all thought about Tom Wright played two Vicks. Kind of curious about you what y'all thought about his work in this episode, joining a cast essentially as a main character, two main characters in one, and uh, the 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 look that y'all that they were able to give him with the prosthetics and all mm-hmm. of that. What y'all think? I you know overall I I was pretty impressed with with this actor I thought he mm-hmm. did a good job I think you know in terms of the way he um, was speaking I was pretty impressed with the way he was almost able to kind of fuse the way that Tuvok and Neelix speak mm-hmm. um, so I think really nicely done um, you know I think one thing I've got to mention I'm sure this will come up again but he did come across as a little bit of a creep mm-hmm. at times. And so there was sort of a, a pattern of behavior. And I wonder if yeah. you guys picked up on this, but uh, in, in my notes, I wrote uh, creepy touch, meaningful look. <laughs> and he just keeps doing <laughs> oh, this. God. This happens like 10 <laughs> times where he just like puts a hand on someone and then just sort of like longingly stares at them. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> Is this in the script? Is this just the guy acting? Like I don't know where this is coming from, but oh my gosh! <laughs> I I mean, is it? I feel like that is you know to to be generous, which we don't have to be. That is the that is the fundamental dilemma within Tuvix's head, right? Like he is like everybody's in his head. He's no different, right? Like he's still mm-hmm. these two lovable characters. Maybe like some people hated Neelix and Neelix knew that, but uh, <laughs> he seems to, Neelix has been kind of oblivious to that sort of thing. So you never know. But in his head, he's like still the same person. He's like, yo, there's nothing wrong. Like in his head, he's all these people's buddy and they're just like treating him like he's, like it would be like if if we attached a whole bunch of prosthetics to our face and showed up and spoke to our like parents or partners as complete strangers, it would feel a little weird. And I feel right. like that there is some element of that if if we're being generous. Yeah, and and I and I think that kind of gets at um, hopefully what I was saying earlier, where like I I really wanted to see more of sort of the the internal mm-hmm. conflict that he was experiencing, where like right. yeah, I mean sure, you know maybe he he is the same person that he was before, and he wants to have these friendships that he had before, but also you know maybe he should be like, listen, I know this is weird, right. I got fused into one person, right. and I still want to be your friend, but I, I recognize that right. this is an unusual situation. I feel like right. we we need some more of that, maybe. and also like. On top of that, in the beginning, the first episode, I mean, the first scene in this episode is Tuvok, Tuvok and Neelix being like, we are so different. Look at how different we are. I don't want to be anything like you. And it was like, I don't want to be anything like you. And then it started to like, anything you can do, I can do better for me to get your gun and it's fine. So like, that, that actually brings up like, like that would have been a really great continuation or a great beginning for the kind of um, storyline that you're talking about, Max, where he's like conflicted because there are two incredibly different personalities that mm-hmm. live within him. And he's a he's a new existence. He's he's a new entity. And so having there be having him not just be like, hey, I'm just chill. These these people go together like peanut butter and jelly, man. And I'm just a whole new other kind of person. Yeah. It would it would have really spoken to how different these people yeah, are. Like- and like an, an interesting thing that they could have done is instead of making him better, like just straight up better than both of than either of them separately, like maybe because of this fusing, he hates cooking now and he he can't get the enjoyment out of it. And he and he doesn't he doesn't know how to deal with uh, sort of the chaos in the kitchen and just and like th- that something that like he feels like is supposed to give him joy. We could have seen him sort of like struggle with like, I can't enjoy this anymore. And I like, who, who am I as a separate person from these two people instead of like 
I'm just way better than either of them. Yeah. We're, we're not going to get to this in, the, in I don't think, maybe even this podcast, but the episode Ashes to Ashes mm-hmm. from Voyager, where Lindsay Ballard comes back from being dead because her corpse is reanimated, gives us a little bit of that, where oh, everything exactly. that she's enjoyed, specifically mm-hmm. a food that's her favorite, mm-hmm. she can't eat it anymore because it tastes mm. bad for her. Yeah. So we, there, there is, we've seen that before. Bill, you had mm-hmm. something that you were jumping in to say a little bit? Yeah. Um, I... You know, I mean, I I tend with fiction just to kind of try to accept the premise that they lay out, you know, Um, and the, you know, the choice they made was to make Tuvix a totally coherent person with a coherent personality. Um, But of course, it doesn't make any sense. It's Star Trek. I mean, (laughs) the first thought I had when he showed up on the transporter pad was like, he should be twice as big. (laughs) <laughs> right and how did like he should be and how did he get that like snazzy looking uniform that you know yeah, has, it's right? like still black and yellow yeah. but has the cool patterns yeah it doesn't make any sense um but yeah and i think you do see him learn a little bit and it, i think it's it's totally reasonable for him to kind of muddle through or like at first he just kind of is acting the you know on with what's familiar to him and um, and then people are creeped out and he, it like occurs to him. It's like, oh, this is really weird for other people. I need to like take that into account. Right. And I, I think you kind of see that process a little bit. And I think he does. I don't, I don't agree. I will say, so I think he, he recognizes that he is being like a little bit forward with Kess and is like, oh, I'm sorry, I forced a habit. Like that was a really cool moment. The first scene that he has with Kess where he's like, yeah, I crossed a line. But then he just kind of like leans into it with Kess. He's like, hey. I'm in love with you. <laughs> Let me follow you around places. I'm in love with you now. Yeah. Like I didn't really learn from that time that I touched you inappropriately and you got creeped out by it. I'm going to just say like, when you're sick of not having a boyfriend anymore, I'm kind of your boyfriend. So like, you can just love me. It's like, so it, he never actually in the short term, he learns from that first, he learns within that first conversation. But like over the long term, he learns literally nothing about how to interact with people who have had relationships with Tuvok and Neelix. My issue, I was just thinking, my issue with, with Tuvik's my big one, is that he's kind of Clark Kenty in that he is good at everything and really nice, but creepy. So he's he, he, like, he doesn't really have any humanity in that he doesn't struggle with anything in particular. And so if he just shows up, he's like, hey, listen, I'm the better version of every single other person. And uh, nothing's wrong with me. And I'm great. Then there's nothing that really can hang our hats on as like you are in a full character. You're a real person. You are somebody who has emotional richness. And so then everything that he does kind of seems calculating because he doesn't have anything going for him in terms of personality. Like he's just other people's personalities and he's other people's skills. And so then when he's talking, trying to trying to talk Janeway out of, you know, killing him. I think it's a really valid, first of all, it's a valid argument. Like he doesn't want to die. He shouldn't want to need to want to die. Like it's, but everything that he says seems very manipulative and everything that he says to Kess seems very manipulative too. And so then it's like, you're just trying to get something out of this person, but you're not, you don't have a personality yourself. And I think, I I, I think with, I think with Tom, Tom Wright as a care, as a, as an actor was good. He did a good job, but with what he was given, he, that's what, that's the best he could possibly have done. I think I th- I I actually read that the manipulativeness as kind of a a deliberate choice. Like I I thought that that like particularly the stuff at the end where he's like begging everybody on the bridge yeah. and he like right. especially the, the stuff that he does in the ready room where he he I I felt like Tuvix has this moment where he just goes from like 
Dr. Jekyll to, to Mr. Hyde right away where he becomes like super manipulative right away with Janeway. And I read that as like something that he, out of desperation or whatever, it's actually like something that that character, it is a fault of that character. And like, I thought that that added, I, I, I thought that, that it added kind of a negative there where I disliked that character because of that. I'll also say that I, I found the character himself, the way that they, like the, the weird outfit he's in in the beginning mm-hmm. and the prosthetics to be pretty repulsive. Um, <laughs> if, if you really, really at, needed a haircut. Yeah, if you look at Tom Wright, he's not an unattractive No, human, he's a very attractive uh, human. man. Yeah, right. And good. so like, yeah. they, I, I feel like, I don't know how much of a deliberate choice this was to kind of give us kind of this really not great looking character to to be the protagonist it's almost like kind of the the hunchback of Notre Dame kind of mm-hmm. quasimodo kind of feel to it which yeah. I I I wonder if that was a deliberate choice what basically I will, what I'll say with in terms of in terms of characterization if the first time you get any real personality trait cuz we're talking like personality traits like Kufix doesn't have them until he gets manipulative, unless unless his personality tra- 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 trait is being creepy and manipulative with Kess, right? Like, he doesn't have another personality. And so if the first time he has a personality trait is deciding to be manipulative to get out of dying, which is a, you know, if you don't want to die, do what you want to do, like, then that doesn't build any kind of understanding of him as a person beyond he, now I'm manipulative. You know what I mean? Like, who, what is Tuvix? Who is Tuvix as a person? And if the only thing we can think of is he's creepy with Kess, he's better at cooking, I guess, than Neelix, he can fix a problem faster than Tuvok, and he's manipulative. Like, that's not a, that's not enough to really build out the idea that you're killing a person. And that's the whole point of this episode is, like, you're killing a person. So we need to grow this person more than you look weird and you remember your, like, remember your, your other friend's girlfriend or whatever and you don't want to die. Like, there should be more to this episode than what there is. So it is lesser than the sum of its parts, fundamentally. You know? Bill, you had a thought there that you were... I don't know. I mean, I I totally agree that it would have been more emotionally resonant if they had developed him more as a character, and it might have affected the way we feel about the outcome. I mean, that you know, we all know from the beginning that Tuvok and Neelix are protected by plot armor yeah. and will be bl- back at the end of the episode. Right. <laughs> so it, so they need to set it up to facilitate that outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and yeah, Tuvix's arc is pretty simple, right? We, he, he shows up and then he's like pretty cool, but then it turns out he's kind of creepy. And, um, and I think they do the creepy part to make, because they know they're going to kill him. Right. And so they, <laughs> right. um, if they just made him even more awesome or, or did, flesh out the character more, build a, a, more of an emotional connection um, that might have been more of a, a letdown at the end of the episode when the outcome comes that mm-hmm. we all know is coming. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, it's a, like 42 minutes or whatever. I mean... Right, I think, know, I, think I, I agree. Within the bounds of a single episode, I think there's, this episode is probably too much for a single episode because if we're building like what is personhood and what and who are these par- people and like that's, that's a longer stories in one topics. episode yeah it's kind of like a big it's kind of like a big deal so i feel like i agree if within one episode there's only so much you can do within 43 minutes but if you're gonna bite off these incredibly difficult concepts then you know a two-parter was not even unheard of at that point you can definitely do a two-parter mm. with this kind of thing 
and it's not like there it's not something that could be like fixed by just moving a couple things around like there's a larger story and there's a larger message that's part of this so i agree that like you can't do much more within 43 minutes than what they did but i feel like that is just a better argument for if we're gonna this is gonna be a huge moral decision maybe you want to give this the time that it deserves for it to really hit home with you because like a lot of the a lot of the picard super intense moral episodes are two-parters too right and i think that makes uh, a lot of sense some of them are yeah. not all yeah. so like measure of man drumhead yeah. they're all com- pretty compact yeah. um i'm gonna keep us keep us chugging along here to moving to a few memorable moments we've mentioned a bunch that we already had here like for example tuvik's becoming uh sir ian mckellen as shylock, shylock. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> do i not laugh <laughs> If you prick me, do I not not bleed? bleed? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, dude, remember what happened to Shylock, dude? Just like, cut it out. Don't do that. Wrong character. Um, (laughs) Choose a comedy. Choose a comedy. Right. Which, uh, the the really, I mean, I I miss 90s Trek uh, because... It's it's sometimes so absurd. Like they have the entire crew of Voyager standing in the cooking area, all like, <laughs> right. like, why would that happen? That's not would. how this would go. It would not. <laughs> and how are they yeah, all so bad at cooking? Not, uh, terrible. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Everything. Like, Neelix isn't always working. He has to sleep sometimes. He had. You have to be able to cook at some point. I mean, maybe maybe he's got a Denobulan style sleep schedule where he can just be cooking all at all hours of the day and then just needs to sleep for a week. I like it. That sounds good. <laughs> Are there other moments of this episode that you all thought were particularly memorable? Um, I so we already touched on it a bit, but I I I did really appreciate that moment where where Janeway uh sort of with she she takes an in stride like that the doctor has a moral has a moral problem with uh mm-hmm. like sort of pulling the trigger and I, I i feel like it's it's like a better version of like the ned stark uh thing of like the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword mm-hmm. like it, it, i was just i i thought it was very fitting that she like we saw her go through sort of this um like moral dilemma herself and that she is actually the one that's going to be like mm-hmm. doing the final transport sequence it, it felt very appropriate to me mm-hmm. and it's sort of like it helps cement sort of that also that moment when she walks out into the um, the hallway and you see like her dealing with it because I, I I don't know that it would have the same impact if it was like ensign whoever that uh, pulled the, that uh, transported him in the first place uh, do it right uh, definitely yeah mm-hmm. so I, I just I, I really appreciated that so so like even even if I might have disagreements with with how everything is going I I I appreciate that. Janeway like took that responsibility on herself. Mm-hmm. So I I'm glad you you brought that up because honestly I had a pretty different reaction to that scene and I, I wrote wrote some notes about that where, um, honestly I was kind of just like what what the hell is going on here because you know the doctor is literally spending the entire episode trying to figure out the cure to this problem and then he has it and then he doesn't do it. And, you know, like, yeah, okay, like, I understand that maybe within his programming, if the patient says, you know, I don't consent to this procedure, he can't do it. But to me, it just felt like really abrupt and really out of sync with, Mm -hmm. you know, like what the doctor had been saying, basically the entire episode that, you know, I will move heaven and earth to to find a cure, you know, I mean, I I think it is, I think it is that, uh, that lack of consent though like mm-hmm. that that's for 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 him that has to be overriding of of any other beliefs yeah. that he has is the like the notion of like oh 
you're not okay with us going through this procedure, we're done. Yeah, right. that's right. really fair. In terms of like sort of a another different scene, um, I thought that the scene between Janeway and Kess in Janeway's quarters was the best scene of the episode. It was like the most human scene where mm-hmm. Kess is going to Janeway and is really struggling and Janeway she and Janeway talk really kind of openly about love and loss and stuff I really hated that it turned into Cass being like okay I guess he could be my future boyfriend like I thought that was really dumb so mad about that because it's such a ridiculous character move especially when he's like I'm creeped out by you and you need to leave me alone um but I loved that that scene in particular just because it felt like the most honest and open scene and really did show what these characters are wrestling with because the rest of it seemed kind of like la 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 no one's really affected it's all okay and so having that that moment between the two of them was really my favorite scene i think of the the entire episode i also do just like moments where we see uh janeway talk a bit about her past and like us explore like the stuff about mark like mark's mentioned a few times Mm -hmm. in the series uh i think really there's a there's a much deeper exploration of it i think is it the book pathways i, I forget what the name of the book is there, yeah. there's a great book where uh that that goes deeper into um sort of everyone's past and has like really good stories about mm-hmm. each of the characters in the bridge crew yeah. and it's uh yeah so I, I i appreciated it especially for like that humanizing moment of of janeway as no, not just that she's the captain of the ship mm-hmm. and whatnot like she had a a history too totally and her her bathrobe and her pajamas are everything they're incredible like i just want to give a shout out to the costuming because that was yeah. beautiful sorry anyway <laughs> I, I, I it's it don't, i don't think it has anything on uh like the the commander Riker like uh 90 of uh his chest exposed or whatever <laughs> that's like incredible. That, that still wins for <laughs> yes yes you are a sex symbol you you <laughs> <laughs> one one last more thing I'm gonna shout out before we move on to trivia, which is just the the betrayal by Cass Silas. That that was like, no, you should get rid of him. Like, Cass, can you go speak to the captain, please? Yeah, okay, kill him. <laughs> and I, it was uh, I, I I appreciated that as a plot move. But anyway, moving on to <laughs> trivia. Initially, the first draft of the script apparently had a bunch of slapstick comedy, which <laughs> just. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> It's like two Vicks on the way to sit on the biobed to being separated, like falls, everybody laughs. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. Janeway presses the button and he's transported to the mess hall by mistake. Oops. Everyone laughs again. I mean, honestly, I I feel like maybe a lot of our, or at least my issues with the episode, I I wonder if they kind of come from that initial kind of treatment of the plot, you know, like we were talking about how, you know, maybe it would have been better to combine like other characters because, you know, like Tuvok doesn't really have a personality, but you know, I think what they were going for was like the odd couple, right? Like you want the two Mm -hmm. most different people combined because that's funny. Um, But maybe it doesn't work in other ways. It's interesting to hear. That's such a, yeah, that's such a weird way to reimagine this episode. (laughs) Like we, we would not be talking about it now, probably. It was just like, I remember that dumb like comedy that, or maybe it'd be a, one of our favorites like huh, I'm so glad we killed that guy he was such a goof oh, a <laughs> um, apparently Tom Wright uh, who went on to play one of those uh, Nazi aliens in Enterprise by the way he, he one of the problems he encountered while working on this episode that he didn't feel as supported by the writers and producers of Voyager which uh, sucks 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Voyager seems to just have this kind of reputation sometimes of being kind of a little bit dysfunctional at times. Um, so I think it also makes sense, though, in terms of the way that he, like, he kind of had, if he had, if he was unsupported by the crew, the, by, like, the entire crew, basically, and the admin, it would explain a lot of, like, his choices as an actor. He's like, I'm just going to speak in the Tuvok voice until someone tells me not to do it anymore. And I'll just go for it. So, like, it might have yeah. this episode might have been helped if, like, there was a real direction in the episode with real character beats. Like, I um, sort of thinking the same thing with like I wrote a note about Kess at one point after Neelix has like disappeared potentially forever. She's like walking down the hallway, smiling and whistling, and you're like, why is this happening? And I think it makes sense that maybe there wasn't a lot of direction on set, and so this episode is just a result of of that. I, Voyager just in general, I feel like, has so little in terms of um, ongoing character arcs and just, like, yeah. reckoning with anything that's happened on the show. It really... It, it is one of the fundamental tragedies of that that series, because if I can jump on my soapbox for a second... Voyager's my favorite, and I think it has the best it premise of any Star Trek series, in my opinion, and the strongest character grouping, if not the strongest actors, necessarily... It it has the, it it had the most potential, mm. and mm-hmm. I I feel like the tragedy of Voyager is to, just that they didn't realize all of that from beginning to end. And I feel like this is going to be a common theme when we talk about Voyager episodes. It's like this was a great episode, or this was a sucky episode, whatever. We never hear about it ever again. Right? Yeah, um, well, I mean, it the, doesn't the matter. The fact that the Harry Kim <laughs> died two episodes ago, and it never gets brought up in this episode where you have the potential of losing two more crew members right after harry kim is dead <laughs> like yeah, yeah that makes a lot of, that would make a difference i think in the way that i understood the episode if that was like a, a plot point within this episode what what if they had done like a thomas Riker style like transporter double accident and then oh, like, you, two, you guys can't see the, the intense he, waggling yeah, that's, of that's the real solution right of the episode <laughs> but not just like his eyebrows were like what if we did we did <laughs> huge eyebrow waggle going on over there right okay all right well with that strange new ratings, well, this is not really a new rating as much as a new rating of an old episode. So, where do you put this? Who's gonna stick their neck out and give this a rating? I so ten out of ten. I sentenced Jane Way to life in prison. <laughs> Murderer! Murderer! I, I thought it was a good episode. I mean, it's fun to watch. It's interesting. Um, th- th- Problematic in some ways, Dinah, you had some good points, but I, I don't know. I think I'd give it an 8 out of 10. Okay. 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 8 out of I'll, 10, okay. Jane Ray's in prison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so I, I think I I was kind of trying to th- think think back on like what my rating would be, but I, I, I like maybe it was going to get a perfect score. I, I don't think it deserves a per- perfect score, really. I, like The thing is, I... I'm impressed as... like this This episode is amazing in the sense of that... 25 years later like everyone's real excited to talk about it and like <laughs> dig deep into it right. so like impressed beyond all measure like this this episode is successful and amazing i i'm gonna give it a nine because i think that there were some parts of it that i was disappointed in how they handled it but uh this is definitely like one of those like if i want to show someone star trek like this is this is like a classic episode where you can at least show someone like oh i i think i get some of what mm. it's about mm-hmm. um but yeah, like it's, uh, but yeah, there, there's just, there's some problems with it. Uh, I, I, I think, yeah, the Thomas Riker thing is the correct way to resolve the episode. Uh, we, we beam, we just wait for an ion storm and then we beam them back right, right while that's happening. 
Uh, mm-hmm. We might accidentally send one of them into the mirror universe, but uh, it'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Um, I. What am I gonna? What am I gonna do here? <laughs> I'm gonna give this a uh, seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, like people have mentioned, solid moral dilemma, some nice thought provoking scenarios. Um, I had some issues with it. I think as as I've kind of brought up here. Um, I think the thing that some of the things that I liked about it um, that that we haven't had a chance to touch on yet. Uh, I really appreciated that the the science in this episode was like relatively legit. Uh, you know, we were kind of I think chatting about this before we started recording, but you know, this is all like relatively plausible. This is not just some like techno babble stuff. Um, Symbiogenesis so, is real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, that was kind of nice to see. Um, I also just I. I don't agree with Janeway's choice, mm-hmm. but I like um, that she made kind of like the hardcore decision at mm. the end. I think that was sort of an interesting thing to see yeah. in a Star Trek mm-hmm. episode. Um, I think a lot of other sort of moral dilemma episodes, especially if we want to go back to like Next Generation, mm-hmm. it's a little more clear cut, like what the what the correct choice was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty clear that, you know, Picard or whoever made the right choice. Um, you know, this one, I think, was a little more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciate the episode kind of going to that slightly darker, slightly like grayer kind mm-hmm. of moral area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna break with you guys a little bit because I'm gonna give it two, two different ratings. So not do this what you will, but in terms of yes. like, yes, in terms of like a moral dilemma, this episode is like a nine out of ten. Like the the moral dilemma in this episode is great, right? Like what do you do with a person? What is a person? What what worth is a person's life over other people's lives? Great moral dilemma. This episode, five out of ten, because it does not do with the moral dilemma what it should. And because it's misogynistic. <laughs> and I just, like, need to put it out there. This episode is really sexist, and I don't like that. So, like, the, it, it is great. There's less than the sum of its parts. There's a lot of really great potential, like Notch said, with this episode. And there are a lot of places it could have gone and should have gone, I think, to be better than it actually is. Is it a good Moral Dilemma episode? Yeah. Is it a good episode in general? Not not particularly because it's not a, it's not well done in the places that it needs to be in order to be really effective as a real lesson to us and then also to teach us that regardless of whether or not you like a person they're still a person doesn't do any of the things that needs to do to get to get Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. um and i don't like how casually Cass is treated like she's just a sidekick and how that's just okay so uh moral moral dilemma nine out of ten episode itself five out of ten final answer i think it's interesting that if we one of the 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 things that we could cover in the series that isn't necessarily an episode is the whole Kess Neelix relationship yeah, in general. It's weird. It's yeah, if you, it's weird. Again, if you think about her for too long, she's like a year and a half old when he right. decides to be her lover, and yeah, that's kind of weird. strange and weird. Little yeah. Different. So I mean, like, I mean, yeah. So, so <laughs> there's, there's other things that are yeah. greater than this that we can discuss at some right. point, and they yeah. do get. I I agree with you. They do get amplified in this episode in kind of a weird way. That's yeah. no one calls out. No. Um. I am actually, I, I, I thought about this a while. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I don't think it's like an episode that hits my, like, I need to go back and watch it again mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. And I and with Voyager, I really love some episodes of Voyager and I can watch mm-hmm. them endlessly. This is not one of them. So 
Um, I, I stay off the five and a half or five only because the moral dilemma kind of, I, I think it asks some thought provoking questions, <laughs> which I appreciate. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's going to be an overall six for me next week. We are going to talk about a classic. It's a classic. No, we're not talking about pickles. Um, what in are the you pale... doing? And who asked you to? Stop it. <laughs> in the I'm not pale... talking about pickles, ladies and gentlemen. Not pickles. Okay. In the pickle moonlight. In the pickle moonlight? Listen, get out of here. <laughs> Deep cucumber night. Oh, <laughs> what, if, what if we just like recreated In the Pale Moonlight with pickles? It's a pickle musical. <laughs> right? Uh, so In the Pale Moonlight from Deep Space Night is our next Yay. moral dilemma. It's, it's a big one. Uh, 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 I, Dino is the one who nominated mm-hmm. this one so I'm pretty excited to watch it this week hope you will too and come back and listen to us discuss it uh, in the following week but in the meanwhile uh, in the meanwhile in, in the meanwhile is that normal mean, have, have in that? the meantime mean, mean, meantime mean, yeah, there you go meanwhile uh, in the meantime uh, yep. Yep. there you go in, in the meantime thank you Bill thank you Dana thank you Max thank you Adam for being here today I do Thanks appreciate so it yeah. Of course. Yeah, and thanks. thank you to Rudy and Emily, wherever y'all are. I hope y'all are having a great day. Thank you, listener, for taking the time to listen to us. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. <laughs> and uh, I just want to wanna thank the person who decided to put Tuvix into the, the science uniform and took him out of that weird Neelix science uniform combination thing that looked ugly as hell <laughs> and tripped my tripophobia a little bit. So... Thanks, whoever made that choice on set, because it really paid off. I was I was a happier person after that. <laughs> All right, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.